podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Devil's Advocate podcast. It is myself, Derek Cashman, or as Julio would like call me, the Ryanair Red. Uh, I'm joined tonight by Nathan, and lovely to have you on once again, Nate. Now, lads, straight up, it's my first time hosting. For anyone who's there in the, uh, watching live already, take it easy on me, for God's sake, will you? <laughs> uh, how are you saying, right, Nate, start off? Yeah, not bad, man. Not bad. Nice to be honest. Shit, that works. Yeah, that makes two of us. But look, I suppose we'll kick straight into really talking about the Fulham preview because there is a lot to break down, especially especially with the news we've had today of Highland coming out with a muscle injury and being out for two to three weeks. Now, of course, we've heard the list of games that he's going to miss. He's going to miss the Fulham game. He's going to miss the Forest game in the FA Cup. Most importantly, in my opinion, he's going to miss the City game. How do you think that's going to affect us going forward in terms of the front three, especially? And will his impact actually be missed that much? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it was, it was so difficult because he was literally just coming into that prime form that we were expecting. And mm. to, to get the injury now when we're coming into quite an important part of the season, especially, you know, we've got Forest in the week in the cup. That's an important game. We've got, excuse me, um, then the derby, absolutely. Mm. You know, he could have been on course again of quite a few goals in the upcoming mm. games. Really important. So, yeah, no, like it, it, it was just how fluid that front three was moving, like, because obviously Rashford would probably be moved into the centre now, but we, there's another name, another name brought in there, so we could talk about him as well after. Uh, there's a lot to think about, really, because you have to kind of think now who's going to be the front three tomorrow when you consider Martial. is Martial. He's still going to be injured. You've got Carnacho, whether you're going to play him on the left or the right now. You have the unfortunate question of whether you're going to play Anthony on the right or even, as I've been calling for, move him onto the left, make him use that left foot properly and whip him across uh, rather than try to do the predictable cut-in. Uh, like, there's a lot to break down, really, but... We can work off that at the start anyway. Uh, like, do you see what way do you see? Like, we'll get into our lineups later on as the time goes on. But do you feel the front three would be Garnacho and Garnacho Anthony and Rashford up top, or what do you think it'll be? I think realistically, that's the only logical option we've got at the moment. It's not an ideal way to do it because we've had this run of form recently with it working so well how we had it. So now having to revert back to pre-injury and pre-Rasmus Hoyland injury, it's it's going to be a bit of a shot to the system. It didn't work amazingly, but it got us by. It's just it's just such bad timing, isn't it? And I'm not a big Anthony fan. I'm glad that Martial's still injured because I'm not a fan of his, as I've mentioned many times previously. He's just... It's just going to be such a difficult few games, but you just got to hope that Rashford can get the form that we need him to get to get those goals up front. That's all we could really could hope for. Garnacho has been a pretty decent player wherever we've played him, either side of the wings. But it's just, yeah, it's just not ideal, is it? Let's be honest. Yeah, no, because like you, you go, you can go back as far as that Newport game where yeah. Garnacho was on the left, and it was to, to see him play against the League One, League Two side. And not really show his true potential on the left when we've only ever known him on the left. And there was always that discussion of whether you play Rashford on the left or Garnacho on the left. And then you find the perfect trio, I suppose. It kind of worked in harmony for Rashford, where him playing off the left and having Luke Shaw back in the team actually made a difference. Now, Luke Shaw obviously being out for a number of weeks, or as they're saying, for the rest of the season potentially. Yeah, that it looks like he probably won't be back for the end, until the end of the season now, if not a few games at the end of the season, which is, again, not ideal. Which kind of begs the question, like, and I've always been a Ten Hag fan, but it kind of 
puts into question his man management if he was willing to risk Luke Shaw against Luton. But this kind of works back to my logic that we didn't know the true extent of what was going on with Malaysia, even though that we still don't. So bringing that break clause in Regulon's contract was a mistake in my opinion, especially though that we're in the position that we were in. Yeah. Uh, Alvaro Fernandez with his deal to Benfica, obviously <coughs> you know, we can't break that because he can't, or there's that rule with loans, if I'm right mm. saying he can't play for yeah, more than two clubs in one season. Because I think they were talking about that with uh, Cucurella with, when we were looking at mm. uh, loan options last year even. But it's just bonkers how it's really turned out, especially in the left-back situation, because even our, just, our whole left side is just gone, because Lissandra Martin has gone, Luke Shaw gone, Malassia fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah, we don't even know where he is. Yeah, like, this is the problem. Last, when he had a slight niggle at the, uh, last season, we saw the fitness videos, we saw everything. We've seen nothing from him this season, so it just makes no. question what is truly going on there. I've I've seen people saying that there's a conspiracy theory that he's dead and many others are just trying to cover by saying he's still injured. Yeah. If we had an actual update, we would be able to <laughs> yeah. I, I divulge that. Like we just don't. But no, look, I genuinely believe like fair enough, Regulon as has his moments as the injury prone player himself. I just wish we had him as that backup because now that we're in the situation, we knew it was coming. Well, the the thing is with Reglon as well is that when he played, he really did put a shift in. Like, he wasn't like a bad player, and he wasn't a good player, and he wasn't an excellent player. It's not like the answer we had, but he was decent. You know, he did the job that we needed, and throwing him back at Spurs in January just wasn't helpful. As a a wise man once said about uh, Fred, a bit of a nub, but does the job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much is what it is. Yeah, because, you know, (laughs) excuse me, it was. um, it's a backup, and now that we've lost Shaw, it's just it's it's gonna it's gonna real really put that side on of the pitch in in jeopardy. You know, we're now looking at the idea of Lindelof playing left back in the in the derby. Yeah, like, it's, like it's just that's something I'm comfortable with. Like I'm just hoping, praying that Juan Bissaka, like if I may have missed the, was there an update on Juan Bissaka in the press conference? Not that I noticed, no. No, because I was gonna say we we could truly. Do like we can do, we can make do to an extent for Fulham and Forest. But if Wabisaka yeah. was back for City, where we could just throw Dallow onto the left hand side, it'd be a godsend because you could just tell the man is needed, so someone is needed just to deputize that left hand side. And I, I'm seeing talks of Shea Lacey from the youth team, but they're like, if you're gonna bring him in, you may as well bring him in against someone like Fulham, where it's actually gonna. M- well, uh, first of all, bonjour to Mr. Wade. <laughs> uh, to move off topic, uh, Wales will lose once again tomorrow. I'm not great with rugby scores because it can either go one way, a tight game or an absolute hammering. So I'm just going to say it's an Irish win and you make the point there. one percent update is, there is no update. Point proven. <laughs> but, there we go. Uh, there you go, but... It just brings the point that you look at, like, even if you just look at City squad alone, the depth. Yeah. Yeah. They have four centre backs all able to play. Well, sorry, literally all about Ruben Diaz able to play on that left wing or on the on the left or right flank. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, like the only true centre back in that lineup is Ruben Diaz. And what does that say about the squad depth in City? No, will you can make the point for going. To for players wanting to go to Chelsea or City, you know you're going to get minutes because of the rotation, especially under Pep. Because my God, like even though I'll say this much, trying to put Man City players in your fantasy Premier League, you may as well just forget it. Because honestly, Pep will rotate that much. Yeah, he has he has that option to rotate that much. Just he could just do what he wants with his team, and you can almost guarantee a win for that. Yeah, Plus, no, that's it. It's, it's like. We had Ratcliffe in the week talking about knocking Liverpool and City off their perch again. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, what we really need to do that is have a decent medical team. Because <laughs> if you have and the like... depth and the squad and the, the players fit, there is a good chance we could be ch- ch- challenging again. Having these like... players in a run of form and then getting injured is just not helping us. But and, and you actually this make season a... and last. And you make a valid point there because it's the fact that 
there obviously is something within the medical team because we actually have obviously we don't have the depth in terms of uh, quality as City do mm. but we have the depth but everyone's just fucking injured yeah and everyone's just going missing and yeah it's just not you're not able to get any run of form together when as soon as a player like Hoyland gets that hit of form starts scoring goals for fun gains all the confidence and then a muscle injury like it's got to be such a basic injury as well like obviously yeah, I can like... imagine it's very painful but still it's like mm. it's like such a basic injury that you could probably avoid to like then like I, I look at it in perspective of I would play like I don't play five side as often as I used to anymore but if I went in for a tackle say I overstretch I I feel a bit of a niggle say but guaranteed I'd be limping around and work for a day or two and I'd be fine after but then I'd play five side again the week after Sorry, no, I just seen this one. Driver, you're a great man for contributions. Phil Jones took up the entire medical team for years. Now it's fallen to Martial. I mean, Phil Jones, fan- fantastic defender, but my God, like it, I kind of said the same about Eric Bailly when he was at the club. Great, mm. Fantastic defender, but my God, legs or the man's legs were made of chipsticks, as I used to say, because yeah, they used yeah, to yeah. break instantly. Oh man, it, it's ridiculous. Infuriating. Like, like <laughs> I, I'll never forget my brother. My, like, my brother's a Liverpool fan, and he even said himself, watching how Eric Bailly would defend, he's a mad bastard in, in my brother's words. But he will actually do a job at centre back. And my brother said, if he, he was actually, decent, I always liked him. I always really liked him. But yeah, and I was... raised him because, uh, do you remember? Was it a? It was the preseason of twenty two, twenty three, where he got the run of minutes, and then. Oh, and nowhere. I can't remember what which game was in the preseason because I just remember watching it, and all they see is by getting the ball or just running with it for mm. about 30, 30, 35 yards. And I was there like, I could not believe my eyes. I was there like, <laughs> by is actually running with the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like this yeah. is like my brother kind of proved his point there. He's a bad bastard. He's a decent defender, but my god, the injury list just racked up with uh, by. But I suppose I mentioned one news player in Shea Lacey. Like you, you kind of make the point there of if they're old, enough, if they're good enough, they're old enough. I've yeah, said this, absolutely. I've said, and I've said this to a couple of people with Shay Lacey. I don't watch enough with the uh, U team to know a whole lot about him, but just from what I have seen of him and knowing our situation at left back, it might be a time to pull the trigger. But like, I just made the point there: if you're going to bring him in, you're going to bring him in for Fulham or the FA Cup. You don't bring him in specifically. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. If you need to start plucking players that have shone in the academy and in the reserves and whatever, in mm. the, everywhere, if they've played well and you're getting good vibes off them, just pull them up and just say, look, you are going. You might have to help us out the next few weeks. Mm. You know, get them in in these games, get them a bit of playing time. Maybe, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say maybe playing them the full 90 minutes, but get them on for 60 at least, see how they go. And then if we're desperate, then we'll put someone else on. But like yeah, you say, no, if they're old enough, if they're good enough, they're old enough. Yeah, no, because I was going to make the point there that, like, I'll go back to what uh, Trevor commented earlier, that if Lindelof plays the left-back again, we are in trouble. But here's the thing. I do feel that Lindelof can do a job on the right flank. If you put that Dallow on the left-back position, he's more comfortable there. I know from before we signed him, Lindelof played on one of the two full-back positions. I, off the top of my head, no, I couldn't tell you which one. But it was the fact that he was able to play off the... A, I, I think it was the right flank. So if you put him on the right flank and you put Dallow onto the left, it might make sense to switch after like 60 minutes. You bring on someone like Camboada or Shea Lacey and you bring uh, Dallow back to his right back position. Something just to bring those youth players up, show that. Give like, them a what? chance, yeah. Exactly, just give them the chance. But, uh, no, like, I suppose I mentioned one youth there and I'm going to bring it on to another because. I'm not too sure if you saw it yourself earlier, uh, Nate, but there's a rumour going around, and it's from a reputable source on Twitter, to say the least, that uh, Barry Forson is in line to start against uh, Fulham tomorrow. Now, I'm not too sure if you know a whole lot about him, but if you do, do you know uh, much about him and what your opinions are of him? Oh Yeah, personally, I don't know much about him. I think he was on the bench a couple of times, wasn't he, in the last few he weeks? Was, yes. So it goes back to our previous point. If if Eric Ten Hag is seeing something or he's being told 
that this player is good enough, give him mm. a chance, then why not? You know, if 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 we're that stricken on the pitch, just give it a go. You know, we have, we have nothing to lose at this point. Mm. I guess for you say we have nothing to lose, but at the end of the day, we do have the prospect of Champions League positions. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna have to keep him back <laughs> because. The way he's just coming in at the right time, it's absolutely perfect timing. <laughs> Trev's keeping us going. Good lad. Uh, fair, fair play to you, Trev. But no, to answer your question, Trev, the actual answer is hind sauce is the true source of the matter. <laughs> but uh, no, honestly, I've only seen a handful of uh, Barry Forson. I saw him, I'm not too sure uh, if you saw him during preseason. I actually managed to thankfully see him at the game at the Aviva in Dublin, he put in a good shift, and I can actually say the same of, of our Fernandes, which is why I was a little bit disappointed when we uh, sent him off to Benfica at the second half of the, uh, the second half of the season with the option to buy or obligation to buy on the conditions, basically. But uh, yeah, no, look, I won't take the Omari for some new, news that face value, even though, like I said, it is coming from a source that uh, broke the news about. Kavi Menu's uh, debut in the starting lineup. So anything can happen at this point. Uh, like I suppose moving or bringing on the point in of Omari Forson, is there an expectation on Forson if he were to start to actually hit the ground running, or would you think it'd be just a case of kind of like Kabbala, see what he's made of and uh, bring him off after sixty minutes where we might be able to tactically change things up? Yeah, no, I don't think there should be any pressure on these youngsters coming through when they get a chance. When they get their chance in the starting eleven, you know, just give them that chance. You know, they're not going to come straight out of the academy. I mean, we've been blessed with academy players. Let's be honest. Mm, Over the years, we really have, and it's getting to the point where we expect too much sometimes. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> When the what drink the, goes down the wrong way. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't even talk in my drink. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you do a live podcast. <laughs> Anything could happen. That's, but... live, <laughs> That's live podcasting for you. Oh, Jesus Christ. This fucking uh, chat's going to have a field day when they see this. <laughs> but uh, no, look, I see, like, I don't watch enough of the you team to actually know the ins and outs of everyone that's going to be there. I I I've talked to a couple of guys. All right, this <laughs> fucking Trevor, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I have one in the house somewhere. <laughs> one of the two was really deserted for this. <laughs> but I sorry, where was I? <laughs> I don't even know where we are. No, but look. I, I talked to a couple of guys on Twitter that would follow the youth team more than I would. They would be telling me, even Darren Fletcher's young friends, one, I, I can't remember the second fella's name, but Jack Fletcher is showing real potential in the youth team. So it is something worth looking at, especially toward the end of the season, where if we know we're in a position where we literally do have nothing to lose, where if, let's say, Spurs fall away, we climb into fourth, that kind of thing. If we're almost cemented fourth, fifth, depending on how the rest of the English teams do in Europe, where fifth will be almost like at the moment they're saying fifth won't guarantee English uh, teams Champions League mm. football, but they're saying things can change depending on who goes where and everything. If the if it does work out that way and we do get fifth and we cement fifth place for ourselves and they almost guarantee it, we can make sure that we can at least integrate more youth because I do feel going by what they're saying about who Ineos would want to bring in, there's a lot of youth-based transfers there. You're talking, oh, what's his name? Brantway from everything mm. being one off the top of my head. Like There's a couple of names there that I look at their age profile. They're definitely young enough. And kind of, you kind of look at the way that young, young players are being integrated into certain teams and you we kind of go off the map of if they're good enough they're, or sorry, if they're old enough they're good enough or opposite way around uh, if they're good enough they're old enough in that aspect 
I see a lot of teams are taking that meta note because I'm actually seeing, in fairness to a lot of teams, they're actually bringing in a lot more of their youth players, whether it be down to injuries or there's actually something like you look at Lewis Miley in that Newcastle team. Newcastle being a team, I'm be honest, so I didn't actually expect to integrate youth the way they did. Fair play to them because they're doing a decent job. Like, I won't say no fair enough, they had to pay X amount for a young player in Anthony Gordon, but he's showing the potential now. I, will he reach the potential of his price tag, or is that just the way football has gone? Is another uh, question that you can kind of break into as well. Like, and there's also an element of if you're putting them in, like if you're putting young players in in, in the starting 11s and around his setup near the end of the season, they start playing games with the way the profit and sustainability rules are going at the moment. To try and sell some of these homegrown talents will do a massive amount of good for our FFP. I know we're not as bad off as we initially thought. When, yeah, um, they just came up with that yesterday because yeah, that it came out in the um, in the press or on the on the feed yesterday that it's not so bad, but. You know that will still help in the future. So if you get a few bids off the players that are coming in near mm. the end of the season, they start putting in good shifts, and they're not really in ten holes plans. It's not the end of the world that we might sell a couple just yeah, to no, get, the, get the FFP I, on our side. Because I was looking at it as well. You kind of t- take the fact that we almost sold Harry Maguire and uh, Scott McTominay for a combined total of what was it, sixty-five million last yeah. summer. You'll nearly get about eighty for the two now. This this summer, and the fact they're both or they're both British, they're both of uh, homegrown talent. As the rules, are, if I never read the ins and outs of the rules, but I think it's working out that by selling homegrown players, it's just pure profit. Basically, is that the word they, they use? I think. Yeah, because you're not making a loss on a player or a gain on the player. You're just selling him fully. So if we sold McTominay for fifty million, for example, yeah, that's fifty million. It's not yeah. a case of you've lost 30-odd million in wages yeah. or whatever. Yeah, no, because, like, <laughs> I'd gladly take, like, having said that, I'd still take part five for Scott McTominay, but the way football uh, have inflated and everything like that, it just, you just don't know what way it's going to be these days. Well, let's not discount the fact he might be starting out front against Fulham. Oh, but look, know. we can break that. There's, there's the worst <laughs> yeah, we'll that bring is... that in towards the end, but uh, I suppose <laughs> one a topic we were kind of looking at as well as kind of mentioned in the preview build-up was about Bruno Fernandes. Now, I have my own opinion on this, but I want to hear what you uh, think as well. Uh, do you believe that Bruno is at risk of burnout or, is, in your opinion, is there other factors there to it? There's always a risk of, of Bruno and um, all the players burning out. You know, when, mm. we've, when we had such a tight uh, football schedule, when we went back into the Champions League and having to deal with all that again, it's always going to be difficult. Having to have big players like him, especially playing in week in, week out, and not really getting much of a rest in the cup. Did he mm. play against Wigan? I think he did play against Wigan, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did, because... Uh... <laughs> oh, Wigan... No, he did... Oh, I, have to tell you, I think he did, anyway, but... I'm pretty sure he did. I could. We could be wrong. We probably are wrong, but... He definitely got minutes, anyway. I know that for a fact. He was he definitely wasn't... on the pitch at some stage, anyway. Yeah, that's so, definitely, yeah. With the, sake of, uh, with the state of our medical team, by the looks of it, mm. they may not be relaying the fact that, oh, Bruno might have a bit of a an ankle fault, or, you know, these little tiny niggles that are not being mentioned mm. through, hence why Luke Shaw's now out until the end of the season, pretty much. Basically, you know, that, yeah. that injury that we he we know he has has now got worse, and has now yeah. had to go back out again. So that's not ideal. So now having the fact that these players might be burning themselves out, and we lose more players mm. in the run into the most important part of the season, which is trying to cement us back in the top four, and not being funny, we need to win a cup again. You know, the FA Cup is our best chance of winning a trophy this year. Now, oh, of course, yeah. Like I suppose you you're kind of going down the. Louis Van Hal route because without being top of the table at one stage because you're playing I won't say there's a style of play because I will get hung and drawn for saying that Ten Hag is, as a style of play there's moments of it but there's definitely moments of a style of play there's no there's no full fluidity of one then again you look at Van Hal he was all sideways and backwards passing you could tell there was something there yeah <laughs> not, not for I love no money about it, but I w- no, the problem is the way that Ineos have come in, there's talk of potentially a new manager, depending on the outcome of the 
into the season, could it nearly be a Van Hal style exit where he wins the FA Cup and next thing you know he's sacked for another manager? <laughs> like I wouldn't I mean, rule anything. I, I wouldn't yeah. rule anything out. Like so. No, but the thing is also with Van Hal was was that 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 style of play of football we were watching was not exactly the most exciting and most entertaining form of football. Yes, we won a trophy out of it. Great, obviously, but you know. After that, we didn't really gain much, did we? Let's be honest. <laughs> no, like I suppose. Look, having said that, we we got him Mourinho, which was great for an extent, because like I love Jose, and like I've said this in the group group chat before. I love Jose. I could bear him. Like it's interesting. I'm going to say this because I'm not a fan of Conte, but himself and Jose have that si- similar style. I hate Conte. Oh, but the, you see, and the, this is the thing. Everyone loves Jose because I think he's more. He shows arrogance, but he he knows it. Whereas Conte is a pure out and out winner with no fucking personality about him, other than being a hothead. Yeah, and I I think that's what differentiates the two of them because they both play that similar style of play, but you can tell off the pitch there's that difference there because at least Jose, even though I think since he went to Roma and got sacked, even. After Roman, that interview he did with uh, Rio and Stephen House, and the two, are, you could just tell he, he was free to talk. He was just to, free to do whatever because he was very relaxed in that interview as well. So mm. just the way the way he conducts himself, it just stands out compared to Conte. But like I go back to the, t- the time of when he, we were under Jose, I just knew from his time at Chelsea, his time at Madrid. And I, this is what I'm saying. Himself and Conte follow very similar st- uh, styles in the sense that after about two or three years, they will uh, create, whether it be them or the owners above them, will create tension with one another. A lot blow up in their face. Jose or Conte is looking for their job. Mm. And this is the thing. I love Jose, but I knew it was coming at some point. Great point, actually, Trevor. With the amount of money he's been paid off just to get sacked each time, well, like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly see, and, it. And it's a great point to make because when you think about it, the man can actually do no wrong. He will talk the big game because he has that. Like, okay, fair enough. To an extent, his style of football is outdated because back when he came in for Porto and his first into Chelsea, everyone was trying to work out how to beat this man on the ball. Yeah, couldn't and it couldn't be done. So when you uh, have that level of ability and that level of confidence to say you have to pay me this much because I am worth this, and yeah. then when it, and then when it all blows up after another contract extension, you get the big payout. It's a great way of thinking there. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, if he's going to get sacked and get paid out, I mean, it's got to be the best job in the world being a football manager because even if you do wrong, you still get rewarded to an extent. Yeah, no, because like, so, it's like even Trevor making the point there about the amount of money he's been making off yeah. the compensation of being sacked, yeah. he can literally... I'm not even joking, because he'll get funded jobs, he'll get uh, sponsorships, if he still has sponsorships on top of what... He will have money to literally just say, okay, that's it, that's my last job. And, and he's, uh, literally, he's literally... A, he's a walking, talking personality. He is really good at all the the media and everything. So, And he's done a few pundits things in, 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 in the past between jobs. Mm. He's always been very good and he's always spoke very well and he knows that he's a good football manager. But his arrogance <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> his arrogance lets him down. Yeah. Because he's refusing to or his stubbornness is, is letting him down because he's refusing to adjust his way of playing to adjust the, to the way things are now. Yeah, so no, if like, he adjusted he, his style of play, he could still be a top, top manager. And that's the point I was just gonna make. You he has that ability where he is so tactically well sort out he can just do that he can say if he wants to he could say okay I know how to tweak my formation to move with the uh, way the game has gone because I've said this about Dav- not to be bringing up all uh, past about United David De Gea still a fantastic goalkeeper in my eyes mm. but the game of how to be a goalkeeper in the modern game has moved on from David De Gea which is why people would make the point of well, he has no club. There has to be a reason for it. like, And that's the reason because he's still a fantastic goalkeeper and certain clubs and certain managers will actually have him at their club because mm. 
they don't expect their keeper to come off the line or anything like that. But if if, like, if his sole job now as a goalkeeper is to shot stop, there's no reason why he wouldn't have kept a hair. But the way they were well, talking about it, and they were talking about this on Talksport actually earlier. Ben Foster was on the Drive Time show, and he was saying exactly the same thing. If your sole job as a goalkeeper is to shot stop, Peter Schmeichel's the best goalkeeper of all time, guaranteed. But he, they were making the argument that he probably couldn't do it in today's game because the way the game has evolved. Yeah, you have to be able to play out from the back. You have to be able to use your feet. And it makes such a good... You, you bring that back to De Gea. It's such a good point. The reason we got Anana is because of his... His shots topping's not as good as De Gea, but his mm. play, ball with the uh, feet... Play with the feet. Ball out from the back yeah. is so much better with Anana than it was with De Gea. But you have to look at it in this perspective, like, like fair enough, his distribution for long passes for in terms of Anana is better than De Gea. Mm. But if you're going to be playing out from the back, is it... Like, because Stu will have me here for talking tactics because I'm not as tactically inept as him, whereas he will go on and on, and I would gladly listen to Stu all day. Yeah, but, absolutely. Agreed. But uh, it's the case that with Stu, he knows what he's talking about, but if I'm right in saying playing out from the back is more just actually just the short passes and building out from the back rather than distribution with long passes, which I find for someone who is good from in terms of a goalkeeper is actually good at playing out from the back, I find that Onana is better at his long kickouts, whereas, like, you, you look at it, like, playing out from the back, when he's got Martinez there, he has Martinez taking the t- or the kickoffs, passing it to Onana. Onana's out to Dallow, then or Maguire, depending on who is of favourable position at the time. And I'm just there, like, I thought playing out from the back was meaning to, for the keeper to start and not just to actually have someone, well, uh, Make do with this. Uh, Stu is a tiptoe lizard according to Audi himself. He's I mean, not even it's... here. Stu's not even on the show, and Tipton Town still managed to get a, a mention. And That's I can guarantee you, Stu will watch us later, and he will have a smile on his face when he sees us. Stu's on commission from Tipton Town. Let's put it All guaranteed. But look, every time they get a mention, he gets a little back burner. Tipton Town is on the up, but like even to go back to another comment. That... Just to revert back to Mourinho, even just slightly, he's like when that in the job and hated within the job, mm. so a no lose situation from it's seed for that. Like, it's a, it's a perfect point to make, really. Like, yeah, no, it's absolutely, yeah. But, you know, uh, I, like, I, I always liked Mourinho as a manager, and I like the way he came across in the press, and I like the fact that he's got this, this shithousery about him. You know, I, the one that rem- always reminds me of Mourinho is that really important game. I think it was at, I want to say it was at Anfield or somewhere. And they were mm. challenging for the league. I think he was at Chelsea. And it was such an important game. And he turned up unshaven. His hair was a mess. He was in a tracksuit. I think I remember this one. Yes, yes. And it was such an important game of the season. But he just thought, nah, fuck it. I'm not taking this seriously. And then they went and won. And he fucking, he's banging against the body warmer. And I just thought, <laughs> yeah, that's just Mourinho all over. So that style of it, we love. Like Trevor just said, that aura about him that we really love. But even and like, when he's is... in the job and playing the football he's playing... You just want him to just change his style a little bit, but he's just stubborn. But one final note on Mourinho, and it's one that always stands out to me, is just to prove his love of football and love of managing a team and the lengths mm. he will go to. I'm sure you've probably heard this story, but it's the was they playing Bayern Munich in the Champions League, I think it was, and he had a touchline ban. So at this point, or is it a touchline or a stadium ban? One or the two. And he snuck in in the laundry to give his team talk and got shifted back out again. Like to go to that length to yeah. manage your team, it just says a lot about the man really just to bring it all into one because like, would I have him back at the club? I don't think I could because no. as we, as, as we made the point there, it's his uh, stubbornness to adapt his style and of it, play to, to the And it's also, it's down. not what we need at the moment. It's no, not no, like, what we need as a club. We need someone, I'm still a big advocate. I still want Ten Hard to keep going and going and going until we do absolutely awful. But I've still got a lot of faith in him. But we need that safe pair of hands just to keep the project moving rather than just mm. sacking another manager and then having another manager in the press conference said, yeah, we're in the middle of a project. Well, no shit. That's what the last manager said. Yeah, no, like, like, that's something, I suppose, <clears throat> now that we're in that... Would you still call it a transition period where it's because we're transitioning from just solely glazers to 
moving to Ineos, having control of the football club, and literally then the Glazers do what they do best, running the commercial side. Mm. If if you want to consider that a slight transition period, if they're willing to keep Ten Hag just to see, look, maybe it's the fact that there was a neglect on the Glazers' side, which, let's be honest, we can obviously say there is, but Ineos can't officially say that. Mm. But you look at the way it is and you think, right, if nothing changes under Ineos results-wise, maybe then get rid of Ten Hag, get someone else. But until then, you have to stick with him, in my opinion, because I suppose there's talk of him wanting to control the transfers. Now, I solely believe he's willing to negotiate and work with, let's say, if we get Dan Ashford in before the transfer window, if that's a possibility. He'll obviously work with Barada. He'll work with uh, Jim Ratcliffe and Sir Dave Brailsford. He will work with the guys around him. But whether he is stubborn enough to want to have his veto in transfers will probably cost him his job, I feel. Yeah, and I think as a, as a, if you're going to be the person putting the players on the pitch, you want to have some say in who those players are. And I completely get... Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, yeah, as a, as a football manager and as someone putting the players on the pitch, you want to have a say in who they're signing. But you've also got to remember the, the bullshit we've had to put out with the past God knows how many years. Yeah, I was going to say God how many years, yeah. I mean, you had the Woodward era where we were having the Galacticos. We talked about this in the talk of the league the other day, didn't we? Yeah. The Galacticos era with Ed Woodward and it was all commercialised and it went really well in shirt sales, but on the pitch it didn't. And we don't want the, the pay, people making the decisions about buying the players going off of commercial value. Getting mm. someone like Dan Ashworth in was a great, is a brilliant idea. As long as it's not going to be a walkover, and then just Ten Hag says, "No, I don't want him." Yeah, no, you know, like, you've, I, got to I, listen, I, you've got to listen to everyone around you in that sense. I think, in fairness, like I think they're. I make this point. So I'll go back to Bruno because I did want to make one point on the whole Bruno burnout scenario, uh, with the talk of a uh, who they bring in the summer. I do feel it would be a case that Ten Hag will work with whoever if they bring in the head of recruitment before the mm. transfer window. I think he'll he was willing to work with them, but just to reiterate my point, it's kind of like is he willing to negotiate and say, okay, I'm willing to give up on this player if you are dead to him bringing in this player because. Mm. So I hear someone say the other day, it might have been on this podcast, but it was it might have been on another one that the problem was that. Ten Hag was his own head of recruitment last year and a half, basically. Would you agree yeah, with that? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I heard... Yeah, I heard he was pretty much doing all of it. He was doing recruitment, contract negotiations, and the signings all... Because he was having to do all of it. Because there was yeah, no one else around. I, I believe it, really, because... I don't, like, I don't see Richard Arnold being the bad guy, because he has he had his heart in the right place, but he was a Glazer stoogie, so he was going to get his share, fair share of flack. John yeah, Murta had his moments. Uh, Murta masterclasses. We all had the meme going around before. We all thought. No, in fairness, I do. On this final point, before I refer back to Bruno, if John Murta did actually pull off the whole Frankie Dion situation, hats off to him. Like if if he actually managed to drag that one over the line and managed to somehow, some way, convince Frankie Dion come to, come to Manchester. I genuinely think, no, would things have turned out differently because we didn't have Casemiro? Who knows? But the thing is with that whole saga, I think it was I got from what I was hearing online and seeing bits and bits. I think it Frank and Dion would have just lost so much money because Barcelona owed him so much money. Yeah, because like, they were still. So it was like, a case of if Frankie Dion came to us, he was going to lose something like twenty million euros, and he wasn't prepared. Yeah, I think I saw something there was a. <laughs> The whole thing circulated again there a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, absolutely. If you can, if you can get him a player like that in at the time that we needed him, because I think I think I saw something. Was it, there was someone coming to Twitter that because when the whole Frankie Young thing kind of burst its way uh, back into the scene again, someone and uh, screenshot uh, was a transfer market or some website that had all the wages for each player, and it was there like, sorry, Frankie Young is on how much, and I think it was something close. to just south of 800k in euros, so but that's because of the inflated wages. Like, you won't see that. And I think, no, of course, it's great for clickbait and interactions on your mm. social media. But 
we all know the reality of it was that because it was going back to uh, the whole COVID thing where the wages were cut, but they were due back the wages. But just yeah. to bring it back to the point on Bruno that I wanted to make there, I I said this to myself, but I haven't really actually made too much noise on it. He was captain last year, which was all well and good. But the fact he's actually permanently been made captain now, do you feel that it might actually be something that is actually playing on the mind of him and playing on the pressure of him because he is well able to show that cap- captain mentality. But the performances have been a little bit lackluster so far this year to show him off Captain Worley. No, it's difficult because I think he always wanted the captain in armband. I've, I've got that impression as soon as he sort of signed. You know, mm-hmm. he has that big voice and personality about him. Um, I don't know whether it's got anything to do with his performances. I think he's just getting a bit... You know, I really, I really love Bruno Fernandes, mm-hmm. but it's the whole child tantrum mentality every yeah. time something goes wrong really does wind me up. And I think that's and where... I just think if you just concentrate on being the captain yeah. and motivating the players and making sure the players are doing what they're supposed to be doing and stop whining to the referee every single time someone gets their ankles touched. You know what I mean? Just, just focus on your job mm-hmm. and the rest will follow. But his form has dipped. There's no two ways about it. Oh, guaranteed. Like, I suppose I kind of had the thought this because of like fair enough, because of the fact that he was vice captain to Maguire last year. Maguire was kind of frozen out of the squad at that point. Bruno was always going to be the uh, vice captain, and therefore wearing the captain's armband on this for what reason he was taken off the pitch. And like even Keane makes the point there, played the most minutes since twenty twenty. Mm. Like that just shows that the man does not burn out because. Now, you can make the case about burnout, I feel, if we were still on a similar path as last year where we were still in all competitions, but we're not We're not playing as many minutes la- compared to last year, especially. And if you think but, the, the player we had in when he signed, mm-hmm. but that the first sort of six months he played for us was mm-hmm. unbelievable, sensational. Now, That's that not could, the player we've got now, is it? That could be down to tactics as well because that could be more... Like, you look at the way that he's been told, or I, I want he's been told, but he's more active in his defensive work right now, for example. Mm. Yeah. Like, you yeah, look there, like, if, like I, I suppose back then, Ollie thought he had, I'm not saying I'm critiquing Ollie's management style here, but you look at the way that everything was set up under Ollie. And I genuinely feel Bruno was told, stay in behind the striker, be your second striker. Do your own thing. Have that free room. Yeah. I genuinely feel that's how it was played out. Tactically. You know, fair enough. He wants to prove himself as a workhorse, and by no, he was always a workhorse. Workhorse. Don't get me wrong, but I think he wants to prove himself that bit more by having that defensive work rate as well. So I think that does play a part in it. So no, you make a really good point actually, because you know that that player we had in twenty twenty was definitely that sort of free rolling. You know, go wherever you want. Yeah, do what you want to do. Just have at it, sort of thing. And like, okay, fair enough. You talk about his goals and assists at that at that point in those first six months. A lot of them were penalties. We're not going to beat around the bush and saying that. But his contribution to goals and like, even now he's still creating all the big chances, and that shows in the statistics. He's still high up. If he, correct, someone correct me if I'm wrong here. He's higher than Kevin De Bruyne. Still in the a uh, uh, big chances created. Though no, that's also down to De Bruyne being injured, but that's not the point. He's still up there in the stats. So whether it's just a, ca- a case that at the start of the season you can make the point that Highland didn't really get the going and missed a few easy chances. Like anyone can make these kind of excuses for why we didn't hit the ground running again last season. But to say Bruno's burning out, I just don't really see it. It's like, like, okay, like you, you can make this point. He's burnt out, but I think he's only missed a handful of games since he signed. But like. You go back over his hit club history between Unesi, Sport, Lisbon, whoever he's played for. <coughs> he hasn't missed many games in general, so it just amazes me how he's still going, to say the least. And even Trevor here, uh, when Bruno plays for Portugal, he excels regardless of his United form. If all boys don't players, he, like it's a valid point because it's a great. I, I love that point because we yeah we see that a lot in football. Is it all boils down to who players are playing with, and that it, that is so right in so many players. 
Mm. I immediately think of Paul Pogba in the France squad. Oh, don't even get this. Like, we can, we can go on. Monster in the France team. And then when he came back to us, it was like, well, this is shit. You know, you, you've left all that. In that but yeah. And like, that's even down to a tactics perspective, perspective as yeah. well, because you look at Pogba, he was trying to play a double pivot <sighs> to McTominay or Fred, because McTominay is not a number six. We can call that as, as we are here now. Fred would be better. Like, I think if you had someone like Casemiro next to Fred from day one or back in the time we had Fred, it's, I wouldn't say we had Casemiro, but someone in that mold, maybe not as great as Casemiro, but yeah, no, I to know that, what you mean. that mold, I think Fred would have excelled from the one we bought him, and I think that 50 million would have been actually worth something back then. Yeah, because, no, I, I agree, actually. Yeah, because for all people say about Fred, it's actually something people forget about is his price tag. Because I actually literally just as I was thinking that point, I goes, How much did he cost again? It's like 50 million. And I was like, Oh, shit, yeah, it was. <laughs> and we sold him for 15 euros. Mm. So, like, and like I said at the start of the season, and I have no bones in saying, you know, we should have sold McTominay before Fred because, yeah, it would. It, I mean, it's easy to say that now because we know yeah. the way it worked out. But because <laughs> I, I always loved Fred, I just thought he was, he fucking left everything out on that pitch. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, it, we probably would have benefited from him this season over McTominay, but but then we probably would have lost all those wonderful goals that McTominay scored for us. Yeah, like that's the, it balances down to that because like it's a kind of could have should have would scenario like. Mm. If we saw uh, McTominay, would we have been in such a scenario? This kind of thing, like, yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It really is. But look, we'll move swiftly on to the actual Fulham game because I just realised okay. we, we, we were only saying just before the start, that, <laughs> before we went live, yeah, we barely get forty-five minutes. We're on the forty-six minute now, Mark. So we'll finally get to the actual Fulham game. Uh, mm. I have. I'll be honest. I haven't watched a whole lot of Fulham as of recently. Have you been seeing anything that? We should be worried about. Um, the thing is with Fulham is that they've got goals in them, but they're just not. They're not like setting up trees. They're not tearing up trees anywhere. They're not going to do no. Europe. They're not going to get relegated. They're in that sort of limbo land. It's and, important I mean, it's, for us. Well, last season, like that's the thing because they were challenging for a conference league last or the Europa Conference League. I think was last season. Like in one point, yeah, and so. their manager's a really good manager, and there's a lot of quality in that squad. It's just that this. There's that element of they're just not... I mean, they lost Mitrovic this year because he wanted the money and went off to Saudi. So he's done his bit, you know. See yeah. you later. Like, and, and like, that's the thing, Mitrovic... Oh, I, I'd be lying down if I told you I followed Saudi League because I don't. Mitrovic no. has the ability to be a great striker. Again, this kind of boils down to a lot of players these days because we could go on about uh, some of the United players when it comes to attitude being a, a big thing there because, like, you see the way... Some players just snapped at the money. Hello, Jordan Henderson fucked off to Saudi, and now he's back playing for Ajax within six months. So what yeah. does that say? Like, like he made a big dance <laughs> about not wanting to play in the World Cup in a uh, Qatar for X reasons, mm. and then he goes off to Saudi Arabia with very similar values. But that's by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, and go, yeah, going back to Fulham, you know, I, I like Fulham as a club. You know, they they've got a very much family feel about them, and. Mm. I've been to Craven Cottage before. It's a lovely little ground. It's it's got that. It's right on the river, am I right in saying? It's, it's literally bang on the river, and you you come out of the tube station, and you go right onto the water, uh, right walking alongside the river. It's a really nice ground to get to. But yeah, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Trevor's told me that. Have you seen what Trevor's? Yeah, I, I was just going to make the point there. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I'm? Why do you think I'm drinking? Because I'm there, like I need a fucking drink yeah. when I'm doing this thing. I've had this. I've had this cough for about four days. It's not COVID because <laughs> I did a test and I just can't shift it. I think it's got. I've given up smoking as well. So I'm about two weeks into giving up smoking, and I oh, think that's, it's having its backward effect on me. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway. But no, like, so, yeah. I suppose like, you go back to even last season, like we were in the form of our lives under Ten Hag last season and we stri- struggled in all... Well, sorry. I'll, yeah, no, I, I suppose you could make the point for all three games we played against uh, mm. Fulham last year, the two league games in the FA Cup. I was, like, I was at that last game of the season and for the most part, we, we played well that game, but it was a struggle because for what, for 
what one reason or another Fulham were just a team that were hard to break down. And to be fair, mm. they, they are to an extent, unless you're tactically in that zone to play against them. Because like I, and this is the point we're going to make now. Because on the north of the front three, who we put on that right wing is crucial because Anthony Robinson will have a field day there. Like so, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. I think. I mean, it took us, what, 95 minutes, 96 minutes to beat him at the cottage with the Fernandez. Uh, That's right, yes. Yeah, so I was, I was going to say, I couldn't remember what the scoreline was for. Yeah, I think it was only 1-0, 96 minutes or something stupid. Yeah, no, like... So, like, like I always we need that... to be able to do that much better at home, hmm. surely. I mean... No, could you make the point that they were just always hard to break down at Craven yeah. Cottage anyway, because, like, yeah. off the top of my head, no, I'm, I'm... My vision of playing games against them hasn't the greatest but from what I can remember we were always hard to break them down no matter who our manager was at the time because it yeah, was never no. high scoring games at Craven College but of course we're back at Old Trafford today or for tomorrow even sorry so it's just a matter of what kind of team we set like obviously we've mentioned about the left hand side as well like so that will play a part in the like Someone can correct me here. Raul Jimenez, he in, he's injured for the rest of the season in my written thing. He do something there. I might give a quick search because I'm pretty certain he's yeah. injured. I believe you could be right. <coughs> ah, yeah. So he's actually out for a month. So a uh, it's after after top of my head, I can't see what it says here because most of the searches are just showing up of his a. Uh, Head injury from the time he mm. suffered it, but it just in the most recent article there, it said he's out for months. So look, he's out for someone who did well at Wolves. He hasn't really, like I suppose, between the struggle of trying to get back to form from the head injury and everything, he hasn't shown his true potential as Fulham. Yes, no, he he scored goals from. He's proven clinical for them, but mm. one player, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I used to. Make so much of a mockery of this man when he was at the club, Andreas Pereira. Mm. The he's found the his pa- level. He, he found, found like, his level. Mm. Like, I always he, liked him. The preseason Perlo, as he was always known, but like, he's, <laughs> like on his day, like you can actually put him and like I'll go as far as to say you can actually put him into any setup, and he's actually a relatively mm. decent player because he'll do a job. Put, he'll do. Yeah, he's not like, going to tear up trees for you, but he'll do a job. If you put in him. If you put him in a tactically inept team, you're gonna try, he's gonna thrive straight up. And even he's, here's another man I forgot was missing because Trevor just made the point there. Oh, Pauline there is go. missing. Yeah, I knew someone else was missing as well. <coughs> yeah, we, he's a real, real big player. Hmm. And, and even we make the point about uh, Pereira there. Was it the FA Cup game at Old Trafford uh, last season? No, I won that, that game, but I was watching it uh, between my eyes like this. Uh, yeah, because of how many chances they were getting, and Pereira was just nipping every corner in. And Mitro- now, thankfully, Mitrovic has gone to Saudi because I would be fearful. Like, because like, even was it on one of the previous shows with Stu, there we were mentioning set pieces uh, there recently, and just United in set pieces in general. Because like I was at the West Ham game, and my God, the amount of times I was just sat watching in fear for every free kick and corner that went to West Ham because with someone like a, like a dead ball specialist like James Ward-Prowse, you were going to be fearful mm. for every set piece and it just oh, showed No, thankfully uh, Pereira is not to the level of James Ward-Prowse in terms of set pieces but having said that, there is still a lot to be said. About that that comment game. you just said is going to come back and haunt you tomorrow. We will not put that on me, but look, he's gonna score a 30 yard free kick and bend it into the top stanchion because you've just said that. So, well done. Look, (laughs) tip this if you must, it's on me. Clip it, but look, but look, a kind of like as I it's just a hard one to predict because. Like you go back off of Fulham, as we made the point there, Andre Silva's a fantastic manager himself, so it's just mm. how Ten Hag will manage that. And kind of like the point I made about Ten Hag before, fair full, but every set piece with our backline never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a valid point to make, really, Trev. But look, 
on yeah, the final it. note, then, like, I suppose you kind of look at it in the aspect of Andre Silva is a fantastic manager. And will Ten Hag actually be tactically ready to switch it up? Like, like this is a point I made on shows previously, and I'll keep making the point until I see it actually happening properly, where he will make the subs. With, okay, fair enough. Last week was a prime example of him actually being able to make subs at the right time because he knew Maguire and Casemiro were at risk. Yeah. But having said that, I bar last week, I have yet to see him actually, let's say, you know, for example, if we win the goal down now tomorrow, say, I'm not saying it'll happen, but if it were to happen, we go a goal down. Mm. Does, does he switch things up or does he actually know what went wrong and to make the adjustment there? So it's just something like that you have to kind of think of as well. So that's my only issue there. And I, yeah, and the thing is, it's, it's also a case of if this was, if we were playing them tomorrow with the squad that we had against Luton. Oh, we would, we, I think we would I'd take them off the pitch straight out. And yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to be overly confident when I say that, but it was just so. Like, this enough. would be a game you might rest a player or two. Cause... Exactly, yeah. Like, it's, it's a team that, that <coughs> was well oiled, well able to work, but you know that mm. with the amount of games we had coming up, you can make a rotation or two. Now, it's a different mindset. So, with that being said, we talk about lineup. Do mm. you want to try and give a lineup for tomorrow, or will we just? Uh, I mean, I, it, looks like I would obviously. I think we obviously have to go for Anana, Dallo, and then it's like, what the fuck, you know? Like, yeah, no, so it'll be Maguire, like... Varane, and then fuck knows. Probably Lindelof, unfortunately. Mm. It's, like, yeah, it's not... No, I was going to say my defence would be kind of similar-ish. Yeah, like Maguire and Varane kind of writes itself in the midfield on this, or in the defence, what am I saying? Uh, unless you want to revert to, let's say, someone like career suicide, like putting Evans with Maguire. So it can happen. We have, have seen it happen already this season. We've seen how many different fucking centre-back partnerships, but that's besides mm. the point. Uh, Trevor, I share your sentiment here. I hope he pulls a sicky tomorrow, but then that just leaves <laughs> another man down. <laughs> so it kind of begs the question of what you want to do. So, like, ideally, my ideal 11, or sorry, my ideal defence more to start would probably be Maguire and Varane, whichever way they want to play with who plays left and back, who plays right to the back. As long as the two of them are playing right now, I don't care. Mm. I'll put Dallow on left back and I want to say uh, Lindelof right back or even Kambala because I'm seeing a lot of people say uh, Kambala for right back. But in that sense, then you're kind of there like it's probably going to be Lindelof left back. Hell, we've seen Amrabat go on left back as well already this season. So the fact that he came on last day against Luton yeah. might just been for a few minutes just to get him back to match or to some level of match fitness at the very least. Uh, mm. Realistically, it's going to be Lindelof left back, Della right back. I wouldn't. I can. I can see Amber at Amberbat in at left back as well. To be honest, yeah, I can see it, it happening. Was it Forrest at the City Ground or someone like that? That he played left back against. Yeah, them? yeah, yeah. Regulon something... was on the bench. Regulon was on the That's bench. Just, and yes. we're, we're ruling up, raw game. What the actual fuck? Yeah, but no, but... it was okay in the end. I think. But uh, no, no, sorry, it wasn't, it wasn't Forest. It was another team, and I can't remember off the top of it. Was it Sheffield United? Sorry, it might have been someone like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know the it, game you mean. Uh, but like midfield, I think it kind of writes itself. Didn't really. Oh come on! Sorry, before we go any further, no, I just saw that. I thought that was <laughs> but uh, no, there look, made his debut at left back. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. He came on at left back. He literally played his first minute at left back. So mm. that that's not going to be the biggest surprise in the world if he does go out and do it. Really, uh, as I was making the point before, we saw the comments <laughs> that say uh, midfield can write itself. Kavi, Cassian, Bruno again. Just the way, just to make a quick note of how Kavi is just outshot mm. everyone. Really, it, it's amazing. Yeah, really, he's been brilliant this year. We don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but he is really. He's doing real, real good things, and we just hope that he can keep mm-hmm. 
We don't like, want another flash in the pan. We don't want another academy player to come all guns blazing and then think he's the dog's bollocks and then disappear like most of them do. But you, co- you come across very settled and calm, also. Look, mm. if he continues on to perform the way he is uh, this season, and if he continues on to next season without any sign of cockiness or arrogance about him, you know you got a level-headed player. Now again, again, he'll still only be nineteen coming to start next season. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, now it's that front three then with the Highland injury. It really plays on the mind. In my it's eyes, it, it would be an ideal scenario in my eyes to at least test the waters. If you have Anthony playing at left, and I hate the idea of like I I I like Anthony at the start, but for God's sake, if he can't use his right foot, put him on the left. Like I I'm, I'm not one of these traditionalists who will say. Play a four four two. Play a left foot, left winger, right foot, right winger. Mm. But if you're playing a right winger, whose only one foot is a fucking left foot, and he's coming as predictable, like he thinks he's Darian Robin, but he's got a level of shooting of John Terry with his right foot. So mm. what is that, like what does that say? Like so, ideally, if you're gonna play Anthony tomorrow, he plays on the left. You keep Granato on the right, where he's more. Where he's after settling more, I want to he's settled, but he's settling, and like, and I even just forever make the point there. Highland is a huge loss up front, as we made the point earlier. Uh, the biggest dilemma we'll probably see Rashford up top. Uh, like they're talking about forcing tomorrow, and if it's true, he'll probably be put in the center forward. Like, just to, I, I heard talk before the forcing story of uh, Ahmed being potentially touted for center forward, but I'm there like. You're probably gonna if you're playing Ahmed tomorrow, you're probably putting him on the right, Garnacho on the left, with Rashford up top as Trevor made the point there. So look, there is many different options, but I'll leave it to you there, Trevor, to uh, Trevor even say we made his point. Nate, your front three, what you would say what do you think it'll be and what sorry, what do you want it to be and what would you think it'll actually be? I like the idea of seeing Forson. I do, mm. you know, chuck him in, see how he gets on, bring him off after 60 and then change it if needed. But yeah, that's what I would go for. Have Rashford out on the left as usual, Garnacho out on the right and then forcing down the middle. But I don't think that's what Ten Hag will do, unfortunately. I think he'll mm. bring on Anthony into the right. Garnacho will move over to the left. And I think Rashford's going to end up up top. We see, and then even you make the point there because it's one thing I noticed during the Newport game. And I will take the caveat mm. that it was Newport County. It was a lower league team where you can move things around shall you say mm. but it's the fact that you look at that front three at times they, mm. it was a fluid front three because Rashford was the, maintaining the number nine position at the best times even though it's his most comfortable position but I saw a lot of the times that Garnett and Anthony were switching over and back they were moving from left to right all the time so it's something worth thinking of that fair enough if you see the, if that's the front three that we have tomorrow then so be it but you know that at some point, they'll switch uh, over and back on the wings anyway to keep things moving at least. Anyway, because I would rather keep Anthony on the left because of the fact that you got someone as quick as Anthony Robinson on, on the left flank for Fulham. That you would want someone to match him at the very least in Garnacho because Anthony, in fairness to him, he has the pace. It's just because of his mindset and his uh, playing style, he can't use it. He always prefers to kind of. Would you nearly say gallop with the ball where he's you can see him kind of having the ball on his foot and he's making sure he's making the right move, but by hesitating, making that trying to make that right move, he loses the yeah. ball in the process. So, but like, yeah, it's like as we're making the point there, it probably will be this front three in the end, Garnacho, Rashford, Anthony. But as I made the point against Newport, Garnacho and Anthony were fluid moving over and back, even Rashford kind of moved over and back between them as well. Time, but he maintained the number nine, whereas the two boys were kind of moving over and back between the left and the right wing. So it's just something that I want to uh, see happen where, kind of like in that aspect, if he's not training himself to use his right foot more often, play him on the left. And that's the only thing I can really yeah. say to defend Anthony at this point because he's not going to get his minutes otherwise. And we've seen that recently. For, for someone we paid so much for, he's not using what he could be using because I'm sure you probably weren't as well as a young fella. Probably passing up against the wall, you were using both feet to try and maintain a level of using both feet. Mm. 
if Anthony as a professional footballer in ring, how much of any United can even use his right foot as a right winger, no less. I think it just kind of tells the story there, really. Yeah, it's just it's it's Anthony all over in it. You know, he's had these tricks and trades about him, and he's none of them have ever come off. He's 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 a flash in the pan for me. I'm really disappointed with the signing in general because it's just not mm. worked out at all. It was a lot of money to spend on him. That I mean, is the only it, one good factor that Trevor brings up. Actually, is that when needed, he does run back and trace back. But and like that is one thing, and like you have to remember as well. This time last year, we were ready to like. Not to the exact moment, but we were about 20 minutes away from shouting, Come on, Anthony, as he uh, talks to the Pastor Stegen, like, because it was the Barcelona mm. game this time last year. And I'll never forget it. I was in work, I was watching it on the slide, and I just had my earphone in, and I could hear the goal go off. And I just remember going absolutely bonkers, and I was like, yeah. Get in there, yeah, like, yeah. like, and like, it's these flash in the pad moments, like, like, fair enough, his debut against Arsenal, he like. Fair enough, bar the goal, he did nothing. He contributed momentarily by his goal against Everton. Bar that, how many more moments in Bar- other than Barcelona can you say off the top of your head? Yeah, he, no, exactly. He, and I, it's all moment based with entity because, like I said, that Arsenal game, he didn't really have the best performance. So, bar the goal, he came off after like 65 17 minutes, I believe, against Arsenal. And even that, that was even with his contribution with the goal. Like, so to say he. I want he was hooked because he had a red like okay, bar the game. Like, he started great, had his goal, but he kind of fell off then after if I <clears throat> if I'm correct in saying. So look, that's prop <laughs> Yes, I yes, I was working. It was a quiet night in work. <laughs> and somehow miraculously we made it over the hour. I did not expect to make it over the hour and I first night hosting. Well fair play to no, me. We and did good, I think. Yeah, no, fair play to us. We'll we'll take that win. So, look, thanks for everyone for watching tonight. I hope you all enjoyed. Nate, thanks a million as always for joining me, man. Cut the Cheers, head man. On. Appreciate that. Enjoyed and we'll it. see you on the next guys, next one, guys. And Stu will be on with the review the, uh, after the game. It's sun, or tomorrow at 7, I believe. So tomorrow at 7 p.m., yeah. Until then, see you later, guys. Podcast Network.